0: Hi, and welcome to episode 27 of the Voice of Healthcare podcast. Today, we have two special guests, Adam Greenwood of Greenwood Campbell and Professor Arlene Estelle of the University of Reading. But first, a message from our sponsor. For the last five episodes, I've been telling you about Suki, the AI-powered, voice-enabled digital assistant. They believe that using the term burnout is a form of victim blaming. They believe in a future where technology is assistive yet invisible. They believe in AI that helps doctors do their job and gets out of the way. They believe that doctors are real human beings and deserve to be treated as such. If you'd like a demo of their software or just want to learn more, please go to get.suki.ai. That's get.suki.ai to learn more. Hi, and welcome to the Voice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cebulski. I'm the founder of a company called Ionia Healthcare Consulting, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Dr. Reed McClellan from Harvard Medical School. Hi, Matt, it's great to be here with you today. I'm joined here today with two very impressive folks, as I've mentioned, Adam Greenwood, the CEO of Greenwood Campbell, as well as Professor Arlene Estelle, Professor of Neurocognitive Disorders at the University of Reading and Director of the Dementia, Aging and Technology Engagement Laboratory, the University of Toronto. As I like to say with some of our academic guests, her credentials make her quite the academic heavyweight in the ring, uh, and they've got a fantastic tool they've been working on. Uh, before I introduce the tool, would like to briefly introduce and let them say hello themselves. Adam? Hi, Matt. Hi, Reid. Nice to, nice to speak to you. Nice speaking to you as well. Uh, Professor Estelle.
1: Hi there. You can call me Arlene if you like. Uh, okay. I'm really delighted to be here, Matt, and Reed and uh, join Adam in describing our project to you.
0: Well, we're, we're really blessed to have you. Um, so we'll get started here. Um, the audience wants to know what we're talking about today. So I'm going to give each of you a chance to describe the product And just say, this is what we're doing. This is the advent of it. And this is why it matters. Um, So, Adam, go ahead.
2: Sure. So, uh, it started for us last year uh, when I watched a TED Talk called uh, What Makes a Good Life by Robert Waldinger. uh, And he's a a Harvard professor. And he was talking about the Harvard Study of Adult Development. Uh, I'm sure you guys are all aware of it. 75 years, 700-plus men, and then about 2,000 their children, where they were looking at the work, the home life, and the health of people from lots of different socioeconomic backgrounds um, for for an unprecedented length of time. Uh, And I suppose what the amazing results were, that it wasn't about upbringing and it wasn't about health or money. Uh, It's good relationships. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Uh, Social connections are good for us and ultimately loneliness kills. And uh, I was um, doing some research um, and I, I came across a piece by a, a UK charity called Age UK. And they said that there's around half a million older people. So that's 65 plus who can go as long as a week without speaking to another person. Um, we as, a, as an agency, as a digital agency, have been looking at ways that we could use voice tech um, for lots of different uh, scenarios over the last two years. And uh, this is something that uh, I felt really, really strongly about. Um, and so uh, we wanted to find out if we could use voice tech to help to uh, tackle the problem of loneliness in older people.
0: Excellent. Arlene?
1: So my um, interest in this has come from working with um, older people and trying to get technology into their hands uh to make their lives better um the you know there's many existing off-the-shelf devices um and apps we can download that really have functions that can benefit people but often the process of trying to connect people with the technology trying to find the people who will benefit um has been challenging and that particularly came to us with some work um a few years ago i set up a um a network of PhD students who were looking at um, health and uh, well-being in later life and how technology could help. And one of them was very interested to work with the, the people who are really hard to reach, the people who are lonely, the people who are isolated, who may be not um, having much contact with services but sitting in their own homes with a shrinking social network, shrinking um, ability to, to make contact, to make new contacts. And how could we start to to look at where um, the emerging technologies could, could assist them and particularly things like... Um, anything that would make new social connections. So I was absolutely delighted to, uh, to be connected with, with Adam um, and Greenwood Campbell when they wanted to start looking at putting voice technology to, uh, to tackle loneliness.
0: Excellent. So what does the product do and how do you deploy it? And what's been the response?
2: What we wanted to do with this study, first of all, was just find out if the, if the act of talking to uh, voice assistants would help in uh, in tackling uh, loneliness so what we did is uh, so we've been working with a, an organization called abbeyfield over here in the uk they um they have about uh, about 400 retirement living homes um around the uk and about seven and a half thousand residents so um we asked them if we could introduce um alexis and google assistants into some of their residence rooms so that we could start to do some qualitative studies about the um, their effects on loneliness, and that's that's when we started to work with Arlene to help us uh, to to try and understand initially how to gauge loneliness in older people, uh, and then after the study, we could find out uh, you know if it had made uh, any um, if it had tackled it in any way.
0: Okay, so that's a great distinction to make, and that's a huge sample size, Arlene. So why don't you tell us? I mean, seventy five hundred people is really fantastic, right? Like, <laughs> That's normative day one. So tell us about the creation, the methods, like using okay. these tools. How are you doing it? Tell us
1: more. Yeah. Um, well, so initially, I guess we thought we wanted to um, to really, you know, examine the feasibility of of, of de- doing this sort of deployment into um, into that type of community setting, because. Because obviously there is implications for just supporting any devices that you put in and um, addressing the, the queries and the concerns, not only of the residents, but also that the staff might have and that the families of residents might have. So you've got a whole sort of ecosystem anyway around, around older people. Um, and um, we decided actually initially just to work with one of the Abbeyfield homes who were very keen and the residents there are living there and they are, um, they have some sort of additional support needs, but they're cognitively well, they, um, you know, are living independently in, in the residential setting. And so we really just set out to sort of meet with them and, find out whether they would be interested and then developed a, um, what I think was a very user-friendly protocol so that we could do some, get some background data before they got the technology to find out their current um, activities and interests and how they passed their time, as well as asking them about whether they currently felt lonely. Um, and that was a really important decision of how we would we would do that.
0: And what did you find out?
1: Well, um, the, we used a very simple measure, um, and interestingly, um, oh, so like twenty percent, you know, was was lonely all, all the time, and then about another forty percent was saying some of the time, another forty percent not feeling lonely, and that's really quite um, representative. So, I think that's really. Um, useful to know that they seem to be a representative sample but also when you looked at the reasons they're ones that you commonly see in later life so the most common one is um, bereavement so especially if you've lived with someone in your life for 50 60 70 years in some cases and now you are on your own there is your whole day there are many triggers for when you would have interacted with them when you would have chatted about something when you would have shared uh, some interaction and that is just completely gone so it's not surprising that many people feel lonely when when a spouse dies Um, another common reason which happens a lot in later life is loss of identity so if you've been someone who has a position and and it could just be someone who's you know you're in the workplace but you have a a role, you have a purpose, and it's clearly defined. And then as you are older and you're not working, that you often, you know, that falls away. And many of those interactions and connections and um, your your knowledge of your place in the world also sort of changes. And that can, that can also almost be like a, a sort of a, a loss. And so, again, highlights people's loneliness, that a lot of their social interaction is around those roles that, that they play?
2: Well, the first thing we actually did, I and mean, when it was actually last Christmas, uh, we took the devices into their into the main home where they have like a, a big kind of Christmas quiz. Uh, and we wrote all the questions and made sure that the devices were able to answer them. And, you know, as you can imagine, simple stuff, like what colour is Rudolph's nose? And, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like what would you traditionally find in an English Christmas pudding? Like easy questions for them, but there was also quite a lot with music involved. So what we did is um, after we'd asked all the questions, then we got Google and Alexa to answer the questions and then also play the music and we had everyone singing along. And it was important there for them to just kind of comprehend what these devices could do. And then when we came in after Christmas and we installed the devices, um, we we created this, uh, these cheat sheets which said these are the kinds of things that you can ask. Uh, but then we waited and then each week we'd go in and we'd say, have you tried asking it this? And, you know, we we created Spotify accounts for them so they could listen to music. By the, by the time that the study finished, which was after eight weeks, some of them were becoming quite advanced at understanding how you could use these devices.
3: How many, or what percentage of the individuals had ever used one of those type devices? Did they find Amazon versus Google to be easier?
2: So... So the percentage of people who'd used it was zero. I mean, none of them, none of them had used them. And, and they were really blown away, I think, by this the first time. I mean, we made this this film and you can see the initial reactions of some of these people when it answered their questions for the first time. Um, we didn't do much in terms of comparing uh, one device to another because for us it was just really finding out. The act of speaking to a voice assistant, actually the act of of physically speaking, if that in, in some ways could tackle loneliness because of those, stats about how people can go so long without talking at all, without even hearing the sound of their own voice. So for us, it was really just trying to find out, first of all, if that act was going to be enough to help to combat la- loneliness.
1: Um, I, I think one of the things I would point out is that of, these, of the people, I mean, they were, they were older, old people. Um, you know, the average age was around 90, so late eighties, 90. And I wow, think that's, that's incredible. I think that's important because also with this group, they all had um, used the mobile phone, most used the computer or a tablet, but they never interact with voice technology. So they weren't, um, you know, completely naive about technologies, but but going out and engaging with something really new, which they may have heard of, but they wouldn't, you know, we see this quite often people I'm not sure how to go about um, finding things, what questions to ask, how to get the sort of appropriate introduction. And I think that's what's been really interesting with the work that we've been able to do is, is being able, we've been able to address, um, as I alluded to before, like how to actually not just give somebody a device or, or set up a device, but... Um, introduce it into their situation or their context so that it is much more likely to be to be used and also the people around them who come in the room or who who, you know work with them can also understand that they're using this Um, because I, I think that's often been a failing when we try to introduce things we think we just hand over a box or plug something in and then hey presto and actually there's a lot more to it to that to for successful adoption and I think with this older age group, I think it's so exciting because a lot of the time people are not even offering them anything because they just assume they'll reject everything, and that is that's just nonsense.
0: Yeah, that, that is nonsense. Um, I'm glad you pointed that out. I um, have worked with several organizations where um, activation and continued use of a product tends to be this massive barrier to finding results influence of the product itself. Uh, had a physician tell me once, you know, the medication doesn't work if it stays in the cabinet. Um, if we have an intervention, <laughs> if we have an intervention, it has to be utilized. So the, the vividness of these tools, once they start to be used, make it fun, make it interactive. and It's provocative in a sense. Um, let me ask you this, Arlene. I had a guest on the show who's been to several of our conferences. Um, he's also headed to Project Voice in Chattanooga. His name is Stuart Patterson. He created a company called LifePod. LifePod uses AWS in order to do similar work for you. It's more of a sort of a monitoring companionship alerting tool. Um, they are on to the 2.0 version. They did a uh, study with this tool of 11 speakers, and then they were going to take them out after a certain amount of time. Uh, you're smiling right now, and I know why. The quote from one of the residences, or several of them, went along like this don't take her away from me. She's my friend. I like her. Um, this anthropomorphizing of digital tech from folks that are beyond 60 years old breaks down a lot of secret cows about what they mean as digital consumers. So go down that pathway. You're, you're very excited. I want to hear what you have to say.
1: I mean, certainly, we, first of all, that's, that echoes what we we heard here. People did not want the tools to be taken away. And certainly in, in other projects that I do now, we expect to leave the technology with people because if they've engaged with, I mean, if they're using it, not if they're not using it, but if they are, I mean, clearly we would we would always do that because we've introduced it into their life with the aim of improving their life. So how could we take it away? In terms of though, the, the, those sort of sacred cows that we have about later life, I mean, I actually think well, a lot of the work that I do is about bringing together different generations and tech, tech developers with their intended users and actually we do a number of activities which show that many of the barriers or many of the problems or the issues people have, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you read the comments without knowing who had said them, you can't tell if someone's 25 or 85 because the things that frustrate people, the things that bug them about technology are always the same. Um, The point about anthropomorphizing, again, we we actually looked at this uh, a little bit a few years ago because we were interested in the way we did. an. um, One of the things we do is we ask people to bring something along that they love and something that they've abandoned. And often when people are talking about tech that they love, and this can be people of all ages, they do have quite um, anthropomorphic um, expressions or or terms. Sometimes they give them names and they talk about them as if they have... um, uh, uh, you know human qualities, and I think with the voice activated technology that goes even further because as as Adam said, part of the intention here was actually does the act itself of speaking um, bring benefits now actually speaking aloud to something you know traditionally especially if you 're on your own, speaking aloud has been sort of seen as a bit of um an unusual behavior that's not really what you do so so in a way, we were maybe trying to come a, overcome a, a cultural barrier to, by telling people to talk out loud. And I think particularly in the older generation, that, that might have been particularly more prevalent. But I think that's what's so powerful with this technology is because it's it's simple and it's responsive and people get back something that they need or something that is important to them. That barrier is very quickly overcome. And I, and I think that's where there's a real power here in, um, in really trying to put this type of functionality in front of people who can benefit from it.
3: 90-year-old men and women, not only did they pick it up and understand, they wanted to interact with it and continue to interact with it after the eight-week project. Can you tell us a little bit about what's next for Greenwood uh, and everything? What programs are y'all currently working on, building?
2: So for us, the next thing to start looking at is how can we create custom skills to to run on voice assistants to actually uh, enhance and improve the lives of older people. So with our partnership with Abbeyfield and some other healthcare organizations we work with, we're now looking at skills that would enable things like um, uh, medication reminders or residents being able to find out what time the meal is or what they're having for dinner or when they're having classes. Uh, but also enable the people who run the homes to be able to control um, the the specific messages. So we also want to look at how we can can kind of modify the behavior of the voice assistants, because one of the things that at the moment you can't have an Alexa or a Google Assistant do is actually interrupt you, uh, maybe a, a flashing light. But I've been speaking to some um, uh, providers of um, social care uh, in in my hometown, and they're saying that at the moment they have... Alzheimer's sufferers that have to have visits four times a day from carers to make sure they're taking medication. Uh, And we talked about, well, maybe a flashing light with an Alexa, but we weren't convinced that would be enough to remind them. So now we're looking at how do we actually override this so that the assistant itself can say to the person, it's time for you to take your medication. And, And the idea being there is that we could cut the amount of visits from four down to two um, and that's not because we don't want the interaction with the people, but for people who are running this for NHS, it's really expensive, and there are lots and lots of people, and not enough carers out there for them.
0: Talk about that relationship and how you developed it, and maybe how how you might suggest carrying on that relationship.
2: Sure. So uh, Abbeyfield, we've been working with for almost three years as their kind of digital partner. So working on their website and their internal comms. Um, uh, they are actually quite unique. So they're not, uh, so care homes, for example, is only a very small portion of what they do. Um, what they, they tend to look at is, um, how to provide community amongst older people. And in fact, when they were founded, um, some time ago, their, their key purpose was to alleviate loneliness. So in, in fact, it wasn't just in older people, it was in entire communities. So they were just the perfect partner for this particular project. Um, and now with the, they are kind of looking more and more about how they can affect more people in, their commu- in our communities. So we are looking at lots of different options, as I mentioned, around um, these custom skills. But there are, there are many healthcare organizations, um, both private and government-owned in the UK, that could massively benefit from this. And you mentioned about Alzheimer's and, and respite. Um, I remember reading something about you know you if you are the carer for somebody with Alzheimer's you can have the patience of a saint but if you're asked fifty or a hundred times a day like what day it is you know anybody can potentially get frustrated so to be able to ask Google or Alexa you could ask the same question a million times uh, it feels like there's there's some real potential benefits um, in in having these devices
0: uh, what are you hoping for as far as Collections of data or other experimentation um, feature sets, etc. Arlene, is there something in mind for you where you say to yourself, "This is a good start, but this is where we need to go"?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think you know, as a we've we've certainly demonstrated the feasibility in spades. I would say if you're familiar with that expression, and and I think as well. I mean, we, obviously, there was one particular purpose we was looking at is the. The speaking and the the interaction, um, something that is positive and beneficial, and I think that's absolutely no, you know, absolutely undeniable. And the the residents themselves were so articulate about um, explaining how the many ways this has been useful to them. So I think, first of all, I mean, certainly for me, um, doing something with this at a larger scale, and somebody like Abbeyfield, as Adams said, with a huge number of residents. Um, I mean that would certainly be a great um, implementation to have this available to as many of their residents as possible who can benefit from it um not as a, a replacement uh, to um hum- you know interacting with the with other humans but really as a as an adjunct and also it gave, gives people an, a lot of control because if you can select i want to listen to this music i want to um uh, hear the news I want to listen to to you know whatever it is having some of that agency back is really really important because that's another thing that hap- that you lose in later life especially if you move into a care setting you know a lot of decisions are taken away from you so so this provides control for people so I think the technology itself has has huge potential not just for um the through the social engagement but through the the control and, and opportunities it provides, but I also think it should be a great um, encouragement to other people who are thinking we have some uh, we've got some ideas or some functionality that maybe could benefit this population, and they'll be encouraged to to uh, to put things out there because you know these are really the oldest old people, and they're really keen to try stuff. They want things to come to them because they they want to carry on enjoying life just like the rest of us. Um so, for me, you know um, I'm very enthusiastic about about both taking this voice technology forward, but also, as Adam says, exploring other ways it can be harnessed uh, to help people and I, And I definitely think the issue that you've identified with them, um, people who are living with dementia. I mean, a, a lot of my work is is involved with that population and trying to empower them to stay independent for as long as possible and delay those demands on family, which becomes so so challenging um, and really affect relationships and also delay demands on formal services because if people are, you know, often if they're admitted, especially into hospitals, it's very difficult for them to go home again. Um, so, you know, using technology to really um, be smart and provide um interventions in people's homes um, I think is really going to be the way forward for that population in general. Uh,
3: My grandmother uh, Nana turned 89 years old which was three years ago we asked her what do you want for uh, your birthday and she said I want Facebook because she no longer was really able, no one was printing pictures for her to see when we would go on trips. And so she wanted to interact on Facebook and see the digital photos. So uh, we bought her a smartphone and very quickly she learned how to use it. And now she is a uh, very abled Facebooker, if you will. Uh, but you, you, you said something that I want to hit on. How do we still keep the human uh, in the mix with these older patients when they are in the nursing homes or they're living alone and they're not interacting even with, they already are not interacting with the person for up to a week on end. What are some suggestions from you guys for that?
1: From my perspective, I mean, it is a real issue and we do come across it. They actually reinforce people's confidence in themselves as a social actor as someone in the social world so they are actually more encouraged to be interacting with other people because they're they're reassured that they can still do that um i know that, that might sound a bit strange but actually if you just sit in your home on your own you have no way of knowing how you relate in the world whereas if you're having conversations and you're getting things back and and you're re, you're using those skills then you can keep using them in the social interaction so first, first of all i think people want to still have them Again, it's not just about here is some technology and that exists separate from the rest of the the ecosystem, whether it's formal services or family. So how does it fit in? How does it augment? How does it extend um, the human abilities? And and what can it replace so that humans can have more time or quality time?
0: They've used voice tech to tackle loneliness and the punches have landed. We are very pleased and honored to have had Adam Greenwood and Professor Estelle join us today for a conversation about their work at Abbeyville and the elderly of their hometown uh, and their communities. Thank you both for joining us today. We were very grateful for your time. Thank you very much. Great talk to you.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you.
0: This has been the Voice of Healthcare podcast. Thank you for joining us.